What's up guys, it's Fit Food Radio, this is episode 118 and it's my good self, Matt Whitmore, with the amazing Keris Marsden, well gone. How do? How are you today Keris? I'm good, a bit cold. Good weekend? A bit chilly. Yeah, you are weekend. chilly, what's wrong with you? The heating's on. I know, and a bit it's freezing outside. Outside? It's going to snow tomorrow, so you know it's... But we're inside. Cold. I know, but... And the heating's on. You know, I've been out. So I'm just trying to get... It's because you're so lean. <laughs> you need to put some body fat on. Go and eat a burger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Saldis would have got in with. I hope it would give me Eskimo powers. It's not worth it. Even Eskimos wear like reindeer <laughs> fur. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sat there in like, you know, like a t-shirt and shorts. It's when you're sat still though, isn't it? That's the problem. It's when you're working that I really... I can't work if I'm cold. I find it really hard. Mm. You do feel the cold a lot though, quite easily, like your mum. Yeah. Your mum's terrible, so I never invite her around. Our heating bill goes through the roof when your mum's here. <laughs> she brings her in Blinking hell, honestly. I'm sat in here, like, it, it is fewer clothes as, as, as is acceptable when Keris's mum and dad are here. And I'm like sweating. <laughs> and then your mum's just there on the sofa, like, almost like, like, like clutching her jacket, almost like, oh, don't let any kind of heat out, no gaps in the neck or anything like that. But um, yeah, so you've obviously inherited it. Yeah, when they come and stay as well, and they they they, uh, they think it's really bad that you let the dog on the bed. They they were always saying, yeah, let the dog yeah. on the bed. But when Hamish uh, basically kind of <laughs> they stayed over and he kind of snuck under the duvet and wrapped himself around mum's feet, she was like, oh, I see why you let the dog yeah. on the bed now. <laughs> hot water bowl. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> right, guys. What we're we talking about? So in this episode, so. We get this asked a lot, as you can imagine. We get asked this a lot. I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> I'm doing this back to front. Reversing your way. So the, the question we normally get a lot is, what's the best diet for fat loss? Okay. Whereas now the question we tend to get more of is, what's the best diet for health? Because... Or should I go... Or, vegan, low carb, paleo. Well, exactly. Because what I was going to say was, is that you know, the, something that's um, quite popular at the moment is the vegan diet or plant-based diet, whatever you want to call it. As of this recording, it is coming to the end of Jan. Quite a few people have been doing vegan. You worry. Ve- it's funny because yeah, but, but the thing is, you would say vegan, wouldn't you? Not vegan, but vegan. You worry doesn't really sound as good as. No, because you're trying to say January. So yeah, vegan. vegan you worry. Yeah. Anyway. Did you do it? Huh? Did you do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All my side dishes were vegan. I do remember you coming into, um, <laughs> into the college to see uh, Emma Myhill when she was uh, running clinics there. Do you remember this? And she did challenge you to try and do more vegetarian meals, yeah. didn't you? And you did for a while. You did lots of curries. And but I still do. Yeah. You I, I mean, I wouldn't say I do a lot. No. You know, I do have sometimes a complete plant-based meal. Yeah. You know literally the whole the entire meal yeah and um, one thing we should say, we will discuss this on the podcast is you've also said it doesn't always agree with you that well either though does it well <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. pardon um but but yeah so I, th- I think over the years and i think definitely in the, in the last kind of year or two i think people are becoming a little bit more health conscious yeah. and a bit more health focused and they are looking a little bit more beyond simply weight loss and they're looking at the bigger picture. And I think now, you know, with, you know, like ethical issues, environment, people are, I mean, it's, it's growing massively. I don't know the exact stats, but vegan diet, plant-based diet, it's going through the roof. But that kind of mindset is growing as well. And I do think that is something that's really important, has to happen. We need the change. Like we can't sustain 
what we're doing right now. There's some really scary stats about we've got enough fish in the sea to last us, I think, until 2058. We've got a certain number of harvests left. Like it's, we, we know that there needs to be change. Mm. And um, the only way that's going to happen is if there's kind of like a global agreement in some yeah. way. And, and that is happening. I think it's very slow and it's, it's, it's going to be very scary. But what I think one of the problems here is everyone's running ahead to the kind of extremes and there's always a kind of danger with that where there's a lack of education and a lack of yeah. knowledge about about nutrition itself and, and yeah. I think what you have to do is everyone needs to be making the change and it's not just change about food it's about plastics it's about everything recycling generally um just not being so you know not consuming so much either not that's food and that's you know buying stuff that we don't need you know mm-hmm. so everything needs to change human nature is to be fascinated at the moment with nutrition it has been for quite a while and so everyone goes straight there and I think all of this just needs to be carefully considered and there needs to be a kind of strategy in place where you try some things uh, you try an approach based on some conclusions that you come to and then you make adaptations and it's when we rush to something thinking it's the only way and it's the one size fits all that we end up in trouble with from a health perspective I don't know why we seem to look for this magic bullet, but we always do, don't we, when it comes to, you know, and, that's what, and then you've got these camps that argue that they are the magic bullet and then we'll likely try and sell you something there. Well. I mean, a big thing that we've been speaking about quite a lot recently is we, we kind of want to try and move away from labels, if you will, as in kind of why does your diet have to have a name? You know, why does it have to have a label? And, you know, listen we know that we've got two books that were titled you know that the, well the published versions anyway were titled paleo primer you know so we were under that bracket if you will even though i've said it before we didn't want to call it that we didn't want to put paleo in the title but we kind of we just went with the flow with the publishers and and whatnot but if we had our way or that's a lovely way of saying we didn't have a choice <laughs> well i suppose well, no, i suppose it we, was stipulated as their part of their yeah that, that, that's what they, they that's what they wanted I'm sure other people have the same. and i suppose we were very much like well you know you guys are the experts yeah, here you yeah. kind of know and but deep down it never really sat well with us because we've always always said that when we're not strictly paleo so i suppose it was our first insight into the fact that most people out there selling a concept itself are being told to do so yeah. or doing so because it's a marketing tool so mm. selling a diet selling a you know they, these kind of you know like you just said all those labels you just mentioned are probably doing it from a marketing perspective because it's really hard to explain a lifestyle yeah. <laughs> in, in a way isn't it so we are trying to do that a little bit. We are trying to yeah. say what we do is a lifestyle. Trying. We just call trying. it, you know, fitter or fitter food, whatever it might be. But a lot of the time, that's why, the, you know, they go for these kind of products and labels and, and diet titles, I think, because then it's easy to sell. So. Of course it is. Of course it is. And, and also, you know, it's it's easier to Google, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just Google nothing, lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> healthy lifestyle. How to have a healthier lifestyle. <laughs> Whereas, you know, because I know, like, obviously, paleo diet, you know, however many years ago was the most Googled diet. Was, yeah. Then there was, like, keto, then 5-2, then I'd, I'd imagine vegan is probably the... Most of the, the, the one at the moment, yeah. and I think you know, it's, it's going to stay strong because of the sustainability, environmental asset component to it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I suppose what I just want to kind of get this out before we will get into, you know, the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. But like I said, I think we're trying to move away from these labels. You know, in the as it stands, I have no intention to become vegan or vegetarian or whatever. Am I against plant-based meals? No, I'm not. 
you know, like, but for me, like I was saying to Keris the other day, sometimes my meal is a low carb meal, but I'm not low carb. Yeah. You know, sometimes I eat a plant based meal, but I'm not vegan. <laughs> you know, sometimes my meals are very, very high in carbohydrates. You know, what would that make you? I don't know. What, what is that? I don't know. Macrobiotic? Uh, a high carber. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you eat mindfully, that would be that would be macrobiotic, they're very mindful eaters. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't eat mindfully. Sometimes I don't. But my point was is like, you know, we're so because if I put a picture up sometimes I've had this on Instagram quite a lot. Like if I put up like a literally a steak and vegetables, I you you go in low carb, Matt. Yeah. No. I just didn't eat any carbs with this particular meal. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I just think like we're so quick to be like, Oh, he must be low carb. Or, or, or if I again, you know, the other day I put up like a, you know, and I've put like a, I put like a vegan curry or something. Yeah. You know, oh, oh Matt's, Matt's jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> He's going that way, and 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 I just, I'm just a bit bored of it, really. I'm just like, it's just my diet, you know, that a bit of ice cream creeps into every now and again as well. Um, it's, and, it's so. I think the hard thing about the. Um, at the moment as well with the debates that are going on is there's a lot of emotion attached to it and I think because of the internet there's a lot more awareness of kind of cruelty to animals mm. and that's the side of it that I know I saw a few things as a teenager about fox hunting and I went vegetarian straight away I was like oh my gosh we're no no ling whatsoever so like, you eat fox. no I know but I just I started to pick up on cruelty to animal and then I started to look at animal testing yeah. and the next thing I was like well I could not eat animals that's the first thing I could do and, and I ran into health problems. When I reflect back, all of my health problems suggest anemia, low vitamin A status, every, everything. And it was my mum that kind of persuaded me back. And the way that she got me was, I had a chest infection. I was in bed for about a month, nearly. And I couldn't do my running and I couldn't get back to university. So mm. she was like, come on, like some chicken soup. And we had a Christmas dinner. And she, she got me back because she was like, you, you, you're not getting any better eating this way. So why don't we try adding mm. some of the foods in that you had before you felt like, you know, had all these health problems. Yeah. But also my mum and I did not know how to do a very good vegetarian vegan diet either. Like I wasn't researching it and looking at minerals that I might be missing or, or anything like that. But just to point out how kind of how much this is dominating the discussions around nutrition <laughs> on the service station toilet this morning on our way back home, I sat down on the loo and there's a sticker on the back door and it said, does your food have a face and that, so that was a sticker trying to you know ask me that question as I sat down and someone had written underneath it in Biro yes it's called beef <laughs> and it's just like it's like you can see two it, it's right. just everywhere okay um, I get it now yeah. I see what you're saying yeah so just trying to get you try to make me I know, thought it was like some kind of new like stall analysis Thing. Oh no no! So I was re- I normally read those. I'm very interested when they're like, does your stool float? You may have you know sign a pancreatic cancer. Does your stool have a face? Yeah, does your stool have a face? It winks at me. <laughs> the last one didn't. I don't think. I'll be sure Not to. Oh, I'll, I'll be sure to check this time. No, it was, does your food have a face? So like, I can't even go to oh, the loo in peace. Oh, does your food have a face? Does your food? Oh, sorry. Is that, does you still throw that stool? Sorry, I don't know why. I, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, don't, does, no, your, does your food have a face? Because oh. it was all on the. There was loads of these. <laughs> things. Was, was like, does your poo? Does your poo have a face? <laughs> right, I see, sorry. That's where my, I was going. I don't know why. Maybe, did you say poo? No, I said, First. does your food have a face? Are you sure. Yeah. Oh well. We can we'll soon find, find out. out. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought, gosh everywhere it is everywhere mm. and and then in, even in I was in Hotel Chocolat yesterday 
and it's everything's labeled vegan in the inside into my life now in odd bins everything's labeled like you know the wines are vegan you're in there <laughs> you were in there I know, whiskey. I know but I asked the person in Odbins I said why does it have to be labelled vegan yeah because yeah, you just assume it would yeah be. and then he told me that it's because they use fish bones uh, and I think it's was it fish bones and yeah, skin? fish bones yeah it's part of the, the, the filtration thing so they filter the wine they, to get uh, rid of contaminants with yeah. fish bones they yeah, sprinkle so it in they sprinkle it on top don't they yeah and then apparently it sinks down yeah. and as it sinks down it kind of latches on to kind of like toxins and pollutants yeah. and, and, and then I was, I was making a recipe the other week for a vegan loaf like a meatloaf version yeah. but made with <laughs> chickpeas and oats and then lots of spices and it said vegan Worcester sauce and I was like what is in Worcester sauce what was it you tell me what's in Worcester sauce that, we sh- that is not vegan this is a this was an educational process this whole week for me it's got anchovies in it really yeah so you have to have vegan Worcester sauce Blimey. so it's a you do have to become a good label reader oh, yeah, but we're not we're not here you. to discuss all of that we're here to actually kind of educate people about yes because the question is you know for many people who <laughs> should I eat more plant-based food should I become a fully fledged vegan and the reality is though is like we can't answer that question no. because it's a lifestyle choice you know just like anything that you eat is a lifestyle choice it's yeah. part of your lifestyle choice and at the end of the day, your diet needs to sit well with you. Yeah. The choices that you make need to work for you. And what I mean by that is is that... Um, if, if it stresses you out to eat animal products, it's just as... It's not going to be healthy for you. Exactly. So. I mean, your, your, your emotional health is very much part of the bigger picture of health. And you need to feel happy with what you're eating, with what you're putting in your body. So therefore, I would never get anybody that decides to be a vegan based on animal welfare you know for for example i would never try to push them to towards a uh a meat meat eating diet because i just know that it's just not gonna sit well with them emotionally so therefore and i suppose you The, the exception to that is i come across people who um for a long time i saw that there was I would say a kind of subset of the population who are just very vulnerable. So the ones that always want to be doing the right thing. And this is the right thing because of health. So mm-hmm. almost like a slight orthorexic, you know, when you're almost kind of like obsessed with health tendency uh, or a fat loss driver for, for going vegan because, you know, or because everybody else was doing it. It's like a peer pressure mm-hmm. kind of element. Everyone in the office was doing it and tell them, telling them that they were bad for continuing to consume animal products, an evil person. Uh, another one is a documentary that you know there's several documentaries now all of them there's ones for paleo there's ones for keto they're all trying to get across their viewpoint but understand there's an element of bias and you're not Mm -hmm. getting both sides of the story and one of the great things about where I work in the college is I do get to see both sides of the story I see people thriving on a vegan diet I see people thriving on a keto vegan uh, sorry paleo I see people who are 80 20 and look absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. on that and so they they have their croissant and stuff but they've got such a good mindset about food and and I'm seeing people trying to move away from food and go I've overthought it for you, you know, so I get to see a really nice kind of broad overview. And and the one time that I do try and change or not change somebody's mind, but actually open somebody's mind up and educate them further is when they're doing it for the wrong reason. So they're doing it with this kind of, this is the magic bullet. This is what I should do. That's the wrong reason to take that opportunity. And also when I can see that it's not working. 
So, and there are a number of ways that it, um, you know, kind of uh, 100% plant-based, everybody knows there are certain micronutrients that you might miss, but I've also seen people say that gastrointestinally they really struggle, like it gets them quite windy and bloated. And well, it's funny because I, because we know quite a few people that have done the v- vegan, v- veganuary. <laughs> yeah. I just can't say it properly. They, they need to think of it's a different... Veg jam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And have said like, oh, it's been nice to kind of experiment with more plant-based meals yeah. and, and increase my veg intake, but you know it's a bit, <laughs> you know. And I just thought, oh, how funny that you know a lot, everyone that I know that's done it, which hasn't been a huge amount. Like I've all said the same thing. No, it's made them very, very windy. Yeah, I said, I've said how. Um... Uh, it, I think, it, and it has lots of people have a tolerance level for it, and it's how the food is cooked. It does need to be soaked ideally, and um, uh, rinsed, and slow cooked is going to be better. And some people, there is an enzyme formula you can get called yester beans <laughs> that, that might help. You so it's also, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be down to like your enzyme capacity. Is it part of your diet ancestry? This is a question I ask a lot of people as well. So again, if you think about kind of traditional recipes that have come down through the generations of your family, was it about things like beans and pulses? And if so by the way many of them including my mum always soaked she always buys the dried lentils and whatever and soaks them for like 24 hours in salt water um, and then slow cooks and she's always done it that way and I always used to notice that if I ate at my mum's or make my mum's dishes didn't really affect me whereas when I buy the kind of pre-cooked pulses in Mm. water and then I make something like this week when I was making my bean loaf afterwards I went to the hairdressers and I'm just so glad the hairdryers were on loud that's all I can say like you can actually hear my stomach fermenting (laughs) you can hear it inside after you've just had like well it was a couple of hours after the moment but you You, can hear it inside can't you you can hear that one out did you no I didn't let one (laughs) (laughs) underneath your little you know the overalls you wear at least it's contained (laughs) (laughs) it lifted slightly one of those sumo suits (laughs) (laughs) like lifting the duvet (laughs) but that girl in there do you you remember Willy Wonka when she eats that sweet and then she just like (laughs) keeps getting bigger (laughs) more hot air Like, give me that hair dryer. I'll get rid of it. That can't can't be good for the environment. (laughs) That can't. Somebody did say that as well. I can't remember where I heard this. And someone, I think it was, someone wrote to us and said, I'm trying to go plant-based. I think I'm making the problems with methane even worse. (laughs) It's not the cows, it's me. Forget forget agriculture. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, and and that is very common. And I just think also, this is down to everything from, from your diet, the health of the gastrointestinal tract. And some people need to do some work addressing that fixing that but the the vicious cycle you can get into is things like zinc is very important for that Mm -hmm. um the b vitamins generally as a family um and and iron and 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 so what you might end up finding is that the nutrient insufficiencies that you're getting through the diet are then causing the digestive system to lack certain um you know kind of lack the infrastructure that it needs to work so um i think you've always just got to be reflecting on whether it's working and if you're passionate about doing it then um, you know, nutritional therapy is really important for, for kind of helping with that. So you can go and see somebody who can talk about um, rebuilding the gastrointestinal tract. But generally what I've tended to see is I've had some people who, in terms of an intervention, I've pushed them more plant-based because they've been too kind of meat and high fat and, and dairy and it's not working out for them in terms of their bloods don't look too good mm. and their gut health isn't very good. And we know like a high fat diet, if your gut health isn't in a good place, 
could make things worse. And you can, if you're stressed out and have high levels of something called oxidative stress, you can actually be kind of damaging those fats inside the body. Like, and if your blood sugars are high, it's a, that's a recipe for disaster. So I'll push them more plant-based. But then some people have come to me and they've been kind of predominantly, if not 100% plant-based, and yet they've got, um, you know, things like inflammatory bowel diseases and like Crohn's and colitis. And I've also had people with uh, depression. And when I've added back in certain things, um, just starting off with things like fish and eggs, they've seen improvements in their symptoms and that's been enough. And then I've been able to guide them and say, well, things like small sustainable fish and, and eggs, and also looking at where you source these products from. So we're really lucky to know a farmer down the road uh, in, in Kent, Lynn's farm, who he runs his whole farm on renewable energy resources mm. and ha- only has a small selection of pigs, doesn't he, and, and chickens yeah. and sells these big trays of eggs and, and seasonal fruits, seasonal vegetables and, and the pigs are fed apples and they roam in an orchard. It's a completely mm. different product. Yeah, so it really is. Like We are, we are very the, lucky in that sense because not many people, well, not many people just have that kind of round the corner. No. And, and I think that's what's what's quite hard is even if you do choose to eat meat it's it's not always so easy to get good quality stuff or know if it's good quality yeah do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like and we often have this with people who go oh yeah but organic meat's really expensive and then we're like yeah but you don't need to go organic you know that just means they're fed organic yeah and you also know? you eat less by increasing you know, like we've done, we increase our kind of side dishes a lot, which are things mm. like we'll have we'll have curries, and then we'll you know a curry in itself, a vegetable based curry is is like a full meal, and we might just add. I've heard the saying meat is a condiment, which is a really nice mm. you know, way of thinking about. Well, we're still going to get our nutrient needs, but meat well, is in, in essence, like if you look at the the volume of the food on your plate, yeah, your protein should make up. A smaller amount yeah. compared to vegetables. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you could then argue, but but from a calorie perspective, chances are your meat might carry more calories than the vegetables because obviously veg, yeah. you know, especially like the green veg and yeah, whatnot, yeah. Are, are typically very low calorie yeah. compared to potatoes, root vegetables, etc., yeah. etc. Et but even so, you know. Um, but if you start making something like a bolognese and you actually start to chunk it out with celery carrots you know you can put anything in there spinach you know so really well, fill out a bolognese so that the meat would you remember that bolognese i made where i threw um like lentils in there as well and some chickpeas yeah um you and know as, as well as the meat yeah i was gonna say but, you can put like 250 grams of mince in there instead of 500 yeah and, and it just made it go yeah, so much further so much it still tasted great you still know there's a decent hit of protein in there yeah because um, you get the mixture then of the chickpeas and lentil protein mm-hmm. so you get plant-based proteins in combination with the meat proteins as well so so we've kind of had a little bit of a chit chat about i suppose things to consider yeah. if you will but what would lead you to be against going vegan potentially so when i can see that it's you not... you, you swing both ways so to speak <laughs> like like in my heart of hearts i think part of me would like to be vegan or vegetarian but it does not work for my gastrointestinal health and it doesn't work for my mood health either. Mm-hmm. And I would say it doesn't really work for my immune system when I tried it properly. And when I look at, I've done a little bit of genetic testing and I do seem to have some gene mutations that would suggest why that might be. So, and do, one do, of the things. Do, do you think that's accurate though? 
gene testing and that? Yeah, yeah, for for, for certain things. So, so one that's the one that's quite relevant for someone who's thinking about going vegetarian or more so vegan is is important to know is. Um, so genes are, if you think about it, inside the nucleus of every cell, we've got a recipe to make a protein, yeah? Mm-hmm. And the recipe, uh, over time, depending on the kind of environmental influences, one of those being your diets, this is where we get nutrigenomics from, the recipe for that protein gets changed slightly, and that changes the, the function of the protein. Now, one of the main things that, that people look into a lot when it comes to uh, nutrigenomics is that many of the proteins made are enzymes, and enzymes are, are kind of like the workers in the body. You know, they make stuff happen. They make conversions happen. And um, one that's been studied a lot is uh, an enzyme that's involved in converting beta carotene, which we get from our orange vegetables, you know, carrots and, and squash and potatoes, to preformed vitamin A. And we've mentioned this before, on, I think on several podcasts now, that there is a kind of gene mutation that can occur that can give you a... It means that that enzyme works at a kind of slower rate. So you're not as good at converting what we need vitamin A, but we need retinol. So we need preformed vitamin A in the body. It's very important for, for eyes, reproduction, immune system function and cell differentiation. So for cells to be able to replicate. And once you take that preformed, preformed vitamin A is only found in animal products. So it's only in um, meat, fish, eggs and dairy. Once you remove that from your diet, you're going to rely on carotenoids. Uh, and the carotenoids are, like, are things like beta carotene, which I've just said is only in, in things like vegetables. Yeah. So what we, what's been kind of, when they've done some studies on this, they've said that the gene mutations, which again, I keep meaning to look at why, what's the theory behind why we have this mutation, but I think it would be because you had animal pro- products, you had preformed vitamin A in your diet. Mm-hmm. So what was the point in these enzymes doing all that work for you? If you had preformed vitamin A, you didn't need to convert your beta carotene from your carrots. Hmm. In certain uh, uh, individuals, when they have this gene test done, they have a reduced capacity, and I've seen it range from around 33% to up to 67% if you've got kind of like a, a couple of mutations on there. So you could be eating all the carrots that you like to get your vitamin A, but you might still start to show signs and symptoms of vitamin A insufficiency. And how that would manifest in somebody would be infertility, which is a big problem at the moment. And a lot of people who've studied these kind of um, the nutritional needs of the body and, and ancestral cultures, uh, well, kind of traditional traditional diets and, and, and diet ancestry, one of them being Weston A. Price said that the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E and K are fundamental for fertility and reproduction and, and child uh, growth. And if you look at the kind of fetus from you know kind of fetal or health from from conception to, to birth and breastfeeding these fat soluble vitamins are so important and generally they are found kind of in abundance in in, in animal products and dairy um in terms of the, the dose that you would mm. the amount that you would, you would want to get vitamin e not so much we can get that from things like olive oil and avocados and almonds and things as well so um but the others k2 generally uh, we get some in fermented soy but we also, you know, things like aged cheeses are a really rich source. And, and the, the, the advantage of the animal products here, and you can't deny this, you just have to go into any kind of nutrition data kind of tool and read this, is that the dose is much higher in an animal product. So you can eat less food and get more nutrition mm. from it. And that's just, if you look at, you know, kind of one oyster will give you 33 milligrams of zinc, whereas to get that from pumpkin seeds, it's a lot of pumpkin seeds. And there's phytates in pumpkin seeds, so we don't even know what the absorption would be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So there's that kind of compromise, uh, as in that kind of, we've got to 
factor that in and overconsume sometimes to make sure you're getting the, the daily requirement that you need for zinc, which yes. is estimated to be 15 milligram plus depending on your age and, and kind of activity level. So you can see, uh, just going back to the, the vitamin A side of things, it means that, so I have this mutation and a few things that I noticed was I've just mentioned I got quite sick. So I got a lot of kind of infections when, as in uh, I used to get, uh, I got flu, I got chest infection, I got tonsillitis. And a few other things that I've noticed was I had acne as a teenager. That can be another sign of vitamin A, vitamin A issues. Um, the chicken skin on the back of your arms is thought to be another one. Um, zinc transports vitamin A. And I've just mentioned that... Have we spoke about this on a podcast before? Yeah, I think we have. I was thinking I'm having like mad deja vu. Yeah, I've probably got that so, so anyway, that was a few things to think about. So, so just going back to the, the vitamin A side of things, this is kind of one area where I think you, you've got to think about if you have goals like you're trying to rebuild your gut health or your immune system or you want to conceive, I really recommend that you do some serious research about the the micronutrient needs of of pregnancy and, and breastfeeding. And, you know, when we go and do, and the same thing for exercise, if you want to go and do an Ironman, if you look at people who are kind of going to a vegan diet and doing an Ironman or a marathon, they're going to do a, a lot of research about micronutrients. And then the only way to really know once you have made those adaptations to your diet and, and tried to probably go that extra mile to make sure you've got those micronutrients is to test. So mm. to start doing some blood testing. And another area that's discussed a lot is things like your, your omega-3s, EPA, DHA. And we mm. now have these microalgaes, which are helpful, but the dose is much lower. Yeah, so much again, lower, yeah. you can go and get a fatty acid profile done at a, a lab. Like I use Biolabs in London, but there mm. are others that do it online. And you can see what's your omega-3-6 profile and do you need to adjust that slightly and spend a little bit more money on, on microalgae supplementation so again you can start to look at, at your how is your body responding to that situation so yeah in terms of your, your question i don't even think i've answered it have i when i when would i discourage it or or kind of say to somebody i don't think it's working well, no, you, it's more, you kind of have answered it a bit yeah i was gonna say what, what i would what you have to do initially when you want to go down this route is is think about your your objectives here. So everybody should have that objective of, I want to do more for, for sustainability yeah. and the environment and do what I can. Everyone should have that objective. Everyone should have the objective of coming off processed foods. No good comes from it. Like, it, just get on a whole foods diet. Like, Mostly. Yeah, most of the time. So that is your carbohydrates are mainly whole grains. Your um, uh, your your proteins are, unref- you know, they're not kind of sausages and frankfurters and... Uh, well, hey. <laughs> Easy on the sausages, <laughs> but what? But also, um, but here I'm talking about the the vegan versions as well. So they're all like, um, you know, vegan frankfurters, vegan sausages, vegan yeah, yeah. burgers, vegan cheeses. These are processed foods. Yeah, so proteins, hundred percent. Vegan, your proteins, vegan or or meat based, animal product based, are on as unprocessed as possible. So fresh, mm-hmm. fresh meat or you know fresh products, and same thing. And and with the vegan side of it, it's it's gen- generally going to be things like tofu or it's going to be lentils, pulses, grains, nuts and seeds. So as unrefined and unprocessed as possible, so it's not been in a factory, it's not been put in flour. I'm not against things like the pastas and things like that made out of legumes and and pasta generally, but you are then having a kind of a flour-based carbohydrate as well. And some people are okay with that. Some people have no off switch with that type of carbohydrate. So again, it might help to go back to the whole food. It's where that kind of the moderation thing comes into it, isn't it? Like, because even like like pasta, for example, is if you look at how pasta is traditionally eaten in Italy, 
it, it was it was part of the it was a small plate dish wasn't it as a starter as a starter yeah. you know like your pasta is what you had before your meat or your fish or whatever yeah, yeah. it's a small plate whereas now people have these massive plates of pasta and bowls of it piled with like loads of meatballs and all of that and again that's absolutely fine but if you're having that on a regular you know then it could potentially not become problematic but i'm you're thinking just looking at an energy excess essentially. It, it, exactly it's, you know. it's hyper palatable when you add the sauce and the cheese yeah. and everything else as well if you're but just eating plain pasta not so yeah much, it's not but... so great but you know once you're you know bit, bit, bit of meat and cheese and you're, <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're laughing you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to go back i was, I was just going to say so so it's it all has to as, as unprocessed as possible hmm. and and also home cooked and if you're going to take out big food groups this is any changes to your diet then you want to make sure that what you leave in isn't is highly nutritious and therefore you need to start sourcing the ingredients probably yourself and cooking it most of the time yeah. and so you can't rely on on pret and leon and, and marks and spencer's ready meals and things like that because that you'll often find they've been sat there for long periods of time mm-hmm. they have a lot of preservatives in for that reason although some of the food to go places i just mentioned are good we use them on a regular basis mm-hmm. again the ingredients are sourced from God knows where, like all over the world, and you're not really getting much of the kind of micronutrients that we've just talked about in there. So, you, you best kind of as much as you can cooking your own food, and that's that goes kind of across the board. I do often think that with like, I mean, I'd probably say one of my favourite places in terms of grabbing something on the go at the minute probably is Pret, in terms of like their you know salad boxes type things and and whatnot. But even so, I look at them and I'm like, I wouldn't class this as a decent portion of veg. No, no, I know. You know, and, 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 and it's mainly carbs when you eat out. That's what the cheap food is. As yeah, in, like, rice, rice or, or, yeah. and uh, we and we often say we kind of open the box and go. I just feel like I've got a giant. And we actually went out with a friend yesterday, and she had a beautiful vegetarian curry. But she was like, the curry was a tiny, tiny. amount, and there was only chickpeas and things. Loads and of then rice. it was like a bucket of rice with it. And she was and like, oh, God, I don't want to eat this much rice. I'm going to be asleep in like. <laughs> and again, like, just to be clear, like, we're not anti rice and we're not saying uh, that you yeah, shouldn't buy these grab and go things. However, my point is, is if you're doing this on a regular, and some people do, some people every single day, Monday to Friday on their lunch break, go to Pret, go to Marks and Spencer's, go to wherever, and it's an everyday thing. And because there's some green stuff in there, they're like, oh, you know, I'm getting me veg, getting me salad. Yeah. But the reality is, like, it's a handful of lettuce leaves yeah. and maybe a few adame beans or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Makes it look green, makes it look healthy. But is it a decent portion of vegetables? You know, is there a decent amount of micronutrients in that meal? Yeah. You know, to contribute to your daily intake? For most people, it's probably not. Probably not, yeah, yeah. That's the other side of it. It's like everyone needs to, it's a basic human skill to learn to cook and do some food prep mm. and and stop making excuses but equally some people have contacted us and go you know are you two like making every single meal and it's like no god no like most of our meals i can make in five minutes it, it is things like smoothies and salads and and we th- then do a level of batch cooking mm. to see us through the week and it will be you know it might be kind of egg loaves or we've made a you'll make some soups and some curries and things like that and that will see us through and if we do end up eating out we've just got really smart at kind of making better choices. But even, you, we've both kind of said, you're almost better going into a supermarket and buying a salad bowl, a box of cherry tomatoes and a box of prawns than going to buy the salad in somewhere ready-made. Because yeah, yeah. I, I'm always hungry. And like, I, I, I eat it and I'm like, I'm really still hungry. Like, it was just, it just didn't even touch the sides. Well, one thing that always gripes me is, like, if I actually want a decent portion of veg with, like, a meal out, 
yeah. Like I spent, I ended up spending about twelve quid on, <laughs> on side dishes. Yeah. You know, like three fifty for a, a side of broccoli. Yeah. Three yeah. fifty for a side of spinach. Which is you why know. it's quite nice eating in in vegetarian restaurants. Yeah. Because it's all veg. You, you do get a lot more. You don't need for extra that. veg because you got it. So I think the other thing to think about, which I mentioned at the very start, is once you've kind of got that template and know that they're. They can actually just look, I think what I really want to say here is they can actually just look really similar. Mm. Whatever template you choose, the basics are all the same. So it is predominantly plant-based nutrients on your plate. I really do feel, and we do that. And if we have rice, we'll grate courgette and carrot into it. If we have, you know, um, uh, quinoa, we'll like mix in, you know, tons of, we'll do things like cook stir fries and veg into it as well and then have that with some fish. Like we, we generally do have if we can probably about 10 servings of veg a day don't we and a big part of that mm. has been we like training and we have quite a stressful lifestyle running a business we're quite busy so we have this raised need for antioxidants so i think the other thing that you've got to take into account here is is your entire lifestyle how much time time do you have how much money do you have to, to time and how much money right. do you have and and um and are you know if you are kind of like a a type A and you like to burn the candle at both ends and go and, and lead quite a full-on lifestyle and work long hours and go to the gym and train quite hard. Just understand that you're raising your need for a lot of nutrients um, like the B vitamins, especially mm-hmm. B12, which is not present in plant foods and zinc, which is hard to extract from plant foods. So you've got to kind of start to make an assessment of your priorities here. And I think the question that I meant to ask at the very beginning was, ask someone what their objective is and then try and identify if they're conflicting, which they almost always are. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to run a marathon and I want to fall pregnant, it's a conflicting goal. And and, and the big conflict here will be the nervous system because is the nervous system supposed to be running this marathon where it's kind of, it feels like it's running from a lion or is the nervous system trying to ascertain that we have enough calories and micronutrients to carry a pregnancy? And it's exactly the same with people who kind of say, you know, I'd like to go vegan and then I would like to lead this really high stress lifestyle, which is very not like the type of people that tend to thrive on a vegan diet are. Because it's it often, if you look at it, it's things like blue zones or, you know, California is very kind of vegan vegetarian and they're known yeah. for their laid back, chilled out lifestyle and and acceptance and, you know, like all this kind of, yeah. I don't want to use the word hippie, but that's kind of, they are known for being this community that's a lot more nice and friendly. Well, it's just less stressors like day yeah, to day, yeah. you know, like they... And same thing for, I think there's a lot of, there's African kind of cultures that are predominantly vegan. I think there is some that are wholly vegan. Again, they're in the sun all the time, they're very laid back, they're, they're walking, it's the best, you know, the best they're like, everything not, is different. Not straight on Instagram at, as soon as I wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I think this is what we need to consider here is that, like, you know, at the end of the day, your 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 diet, your lifestyle, you know, it needs to support you. It needs to support you and whatever demands you place on your on your body. And I think things are very different now in terms of the, the, the I suppose, the daily stresses and, and, and pressures that we place on ourselves compared to how they were 50 years ago or, or whatever. And I think, like, if we look at a training perspective, you know, when we're, we're pushing our bodies, you know, we're lifting weights, we're breaking down muscle tissue, that needs rebuilding. Now, generally speaking, obviously, we've got what we call complete and incomplete proteins, right? Yeah. You know, like, a, you know, your complete protein is, is that that is essentially is made up of all amino acids. So you've got essential and non-essential amino acids. Essential are ones that the, the names on the tin 
you know, they are essential. Our body can't produce them. We need to get them from our diet, whereas non-essential, we can make them within the body. So if you look at a complete protein, it's got all the amino acids. Incomplete is essentially one that's missing any of the amino acids is, a, is an incomplete protein, which generally tends to be plant-based proteins. Um, quinoa and um, kind of soy are the exceptions. They are a complete protein, but there's only so much soy, tofu and quinoa <laughs> that, that you can eat. But then that's when we talk about... And some people can't digest, find it's really hard to digest. That is a nice feedback I've had that they get very... They get oh, really? By quinoa and tofu, yeah. Because I do quite like tofu, you know, in with like a, a bolognese, you know, if we're doing like a veggie bolognese or chilli or something like that, yeah. I quite like it. I like the texture and whatnot, but I'd probably soon grow bored of it. That's for sure. <laughs> so, if you were tofu every day, yeah. I mean, you can do what they call food combining which is where you essentially take two incomplete proteins, combine them together to make a complete protein. Kind of classic example is uh, combining a grain with like a pulse or legume. Yeah. You know, two incomplete proteins. So beans on... Uh, beans, beans on toast. Why well, I say beans <laughs> on, a, on a jacket potato? I think is the kind of beans on toast. Or peanut butter on toast is, a, is another one, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got the grain, you've yeah. got the legume. Um, very tasty. But again, you know, if you're yamming them down all the time... Yeah might not do your waistline any favours over no. time you never know but the reason I'm kind of saying these things and the downside is that, to that kind of protein and getting your protein from those sources is those carbohydrates exactly. at the same time so if you're forcing that to meet your protein goal you've also got a factor and you are getting a carbohydrate intake as a side so again that doesn't work for everybody no exactly and, and, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to kind of get at is that if you want to if you don't do want to consume adequate protein and kind of hit your complete protein quota so to speak it takes a bit of effort much more so than just eating a steak um, and I'm not saying that that's the I'm not that's not me fighting the corner for just because oh it's easier yeah I'm just saying as a word of warning you know you need to be you know if you are passionate about your training and you are passionate about building muscle building strength you know you, you need to be switched on to the foods that you're eating to ensure that you are getting adequate, complete protein yeah. in your diet, not incomplete protein. And also, I think, uh, I don't see, when I do protein... Does that, yeah, does that no, make sense? I feel like I just... No, no, you didn't 100% that make sense. But also, I don't see, when you do a protein calculation for somebody, especially as a, again, highly active lifestyle, or think about protein as the building blocks of neurotransmitters, that's the main thing I have to say about the mood health side of it. And if I say to somebody, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like you up at kind of 65 to 95 grams of protein a day, it, it, that's hard to get from from those sources that you just mentioned and so I'll often recommend one or two um, smoothies or a, a smoothie based dish so I can say like a smoothie bowl or a scoop of protein powder in your porridge that kind of stuff yeah. and then they can reach it but I don't know how they do it without without protein powders and I've written to a couple of vegan trainers and they've said oh no I have three protein shakes a day so to be fair a lot of which is fine it's just yeah exactly like, just accept that that's what you're going to have to yeah, probably do and that's what works for them yeah. so happy days right like, but as in to, to get the kind of 100 plus in mm. you're going to probably have to do some protein powders but that's what I was going to say like we, we we do know a few vegan trainers you know and don't get me wrong strong yeah, yeah. strong people you know these aren't you know like you know, like you know, some people kind of throw this thing around. If you're, oh, you know, if you're vegan, you lose all your gains and all of that. And we're like, well, no, we we know quite a few vegans that are pretty jacked, actually. So, so they also do keep an eye on their blood tests 
and hormone tests and they supplement as well. Well, exactly, they supplement. And yeah. I was going to say, but they are pretty savvy vegans. Yeah. And um, But then, you know, and I've kind of said this before, um, a couple of them were already pretty hench. So it's, and this is why I always try to, to say to people, like, just because someone's a vegan doesn't mean, and they're jacked and they're strong, doesn't mean they got that way through being a vegan. No, it has become a fad to be like some people. This is the same with keto as well, that some people exactly. were in great shape before they went keto and now go in, look at Yeah, keto, look, I'm shredded. And yeah, you say, yeah, yeah, but you already was. Yeah. So what's the... What's, difference what's the difference? Yeah. And it's but 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 that's what people go by. They go by what they see. They go by the label that you've put out there. Yeah. Um, and I think I said this on that podcast with Tommy Wood. Like, there's a guy in America. I can't actually remember his name now because I think I started unfollowing him because he was doing my idea. And he was touting this whole keto, keto, keto. Yet the dude had a physique that any man would love to have <laughs> yeah. before he was keto. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, keto changed his life. But never once did he mention, like, that he had more energy or that he felt better or anything like that. It was all about body fat. Body fat, body fat, body fat. I get it. That's what sells. But I just thought, when's someone going to call him on this and go, but you were already absolutely shredded? Beforehand. So you can't... Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you can't give credit think, to... But then I also remember that then people also want to believe. People want to believe that there is a quick solution or a, a magic bullet so they do want to believe in that so so there's kind of you know and, and I think it's really hard I sometimes think with some of my clients and even friends that I talk to the only way that they're going to lose that mentality is, is hypnotherapy or something like they're so even when I educate them even when I talk about all the, mm. they still shift back to that kind of like yeah but there's a diet out there there's a diet mm. out there for me I've just not found it yet and it's like no it's not there's really not there's no, like there really isn't. nothing that you, you we Gosh. have to but but what there is is and I think this is really important and, and I, I think it's something that we do try and teach there's an adaptation process where every, you always be looking at uh, multiple things which is you know what training are you doing what's your sleep like what's your stress levels like at work and you adapt everything around yeah. that and that's why and also if you do decide you want to have a fertility goal then you definitely need to bring down the kind of career goals likely and I don't mean that to be um, oh you know you can't have a career if you're going to fall pregnant but if you want this pregnant to be safe and uh, and give it the best chances then you need to minimise stress and the exposure to stress and, and deadlines and working hard mm. and, and focusing on things like sleep and, and ideally yoga and a little bit of you know meditation and some really good nutrition and to have time for that you know you probably have to think about maybe not chasing the career side of things mm. too much it's, and and similarly if you wanted to you know get a really good time in a marathon don't add another goal in there either where you decide yeah. you want to remove animal products like focus on getting a really good nutrient status removing animal products and then increase your training really gradually and if you notice you know and the biggest feedback you're going to get or one of the, the, the two things that you could always be keeping an eye on is your hormone status, especially your reproductive hormone status, and your immune system. And a large part of that is in the gut. So mm. if those two things kick off, you'll feel it, then you know it's time to adapt again. It's time to adapt. Like I've pushed it too far either way. Yeah. And I think it'd be really helpful just I'm just gonna list down so some things if you remove animal products altogether, so this is not vegetarian or pescatarian, this is if you go fully vegan it will create a raised need for you to keep an eye on, we've mentioned some of them already, but vitamin A status, which I've already said, you think about your eye health, if you can see in the dark, mm. um, your skin, acne, you know, psoriasis, dry skin, scaly skin, um, chicken skin on the back of the arms as some signs, and then infertility 
and immune system if your immune system is not not too happy and it's also thought to be why the kind of autoimmune protocol that, that is often recommended for um uh, sorry the autoimmune diet which is recommended for autoimmune diseases is very rich in vitamin a it's very high in, mm. in b vitamins and 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 glycine and all these things that are in organ meats and, and the, you know the nightmare of somebody who's trying to remove animal products because it's eating the bits of animals that we don't tend to eat but they are organs are loaded with nutrition because those organs work really hard like mm. our organs work really hard and there's tons of stuff in there so um but vitamin a is one one to think about next up would be i've already mentioned it but zinc and your taste and smell is strongly kind of a reflection of, of zinc status so if you see any changes in those it's really important to, to consider also things like um we you've just done the, the proteins so your essential amino acids your essential fatty acids which is your uh, really in this case we're talking about epa and dha as well which again, raise need if you're going to train a lot, raise need if you're stressed, raise need if you're overweight and maybe insulin issues, and raise need for conception. So mm. especially DHA for cognitive uh, fetal uh, brain development and breastfeeding. Other things are carnitine. Carnitine is sold as a fat loss supplement, but generally because we get it from amino acids, methionine and lysine, which are predominantly in animal foods, and it's really rich in red meat. So, um, but carnitine is really important for you to be able to kind of burn fat essentially and burn your fat stores. So be able to run in a, a fasted state. So it's part of what you might call metabolic flexibility. But also you can make carnitine if you have good overall nutrient status in the body and health, uh, cell health. So you can make it, you don't need to supplement with yeah. it or have the red meat. And I think avocados and tempeh, so soy again, are the only vegetarian sources but the, 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 it's much lower so you'd have to eat a lot yeah um i i think like avocados is definitely going to be top of your list if you are going more plant-based um, what do you mean top of your list as in make sure you consume it as in, yeah i was just saying that, that again it's one of those things that you know it's, it's a very because it's predominantly fat-based it's it's a very high well, calorie yeah. food so, in yeah. that sense you know so go easy yeah go easy. <laughs> And then another one is creatine. So creatine, uh, and some people say vitamin D, which is silly really, because there's only a tiny amount in food generally. We get that from, from daylight exposure. But mm. yeah, we get a bit from fish and, and eggs and butter and things. But creatine. And they, when they've looked at studies with kind of vegan athletes, they've seen them perform really well when they actually supplement with creatine. Um, so I'd kind of suggest, oh, I didn't mention B12. Did I mention B12? And then B12 as well. And B12 is just, again, so important for so many different functions. But if you think about the production of your neurotransmitters, so again, if you're going to be a high-stressed, burning the candle overhands again, you have a higher turnover of, of some of these things, folate and B12 being, being one. And then also it's involved in uh, red blood cell maturation, which is going to carry oxygen around the body, mm -hmm. hemoglobin. So again, just good, good to kind of, you know, and there are a number of other things that B12 is involved in. But you want to ideally be testing those on a regular basis because also there's kind of question over we don't really know what we're doing with the supplement side if you don't ever have those foods we don't really know kind of you know dosing and and does b12 in excess will create a folate deficiency as well so you want to make sure your folate status is, is also matched and all the b vitamins in fact so i think it's really good to be testing things and i haven't mentioned iron that's another one sorry and what i've also tend to see is some people have gone to be plant-based and then developed anemia very quickly, despite having non-heme iron from plant foods in their diet. Yeah. But what we know is that there seems to be um, 
better uptake of iron when there's a combination of the, the heme iron from animal products and, and fish and eggs and things and non-heme iron from your spinach and mm. chickpeas and things. The two together get your iron status up or seem to get them up quicker. And then vitamin C added to a meal also helps. So adding things like lemon juice, lime juice. But it would be helpful um, for people to do things like test their... Um, their ferritin and iron status on a regular basis and they'd want to for b12 be testing active b12 or methylmalonic acid not serum b12 which is what a doctor runs which doesn't tell you anything at all so right. and then in terms of zinc you have a liver enzyme um which is alp which can sometimes go low if your zinc is low or some people do a drum that zinc solution i got you to drink mm. Uh, it's called the Zinker Test. <laughs> Zinker Test by Lambert's, which is you drink a zinc solution. If you can't taste anything, it's suggested you might be low in, in zinc. I don't think it's like a diagnostic tool. Just say, how accurate is that? I, I, do you know what? I've not even uh, had much chance to look into it because I work on Skype. I don't tend to use it that much with people. If I'm really concerned, I'll send someone for. Um, I do a zinc copper profile with them uh, at a private lab, but I was reading the other day that the best test to do was plasma zinc because sometimes the actual testing process contaminates the blood with zinc so it's not very accurate isn't that interesting mm. so uh this guy who was talking about it was saying he's come across people who seem to, seem to have and he thinks it's slightly genetic his name is dr william walsh he does a lot with um, autis autism spectrum disorders and various kind of his book is called nutrient power and it's all about brain health and the need for really good levels of copper and zinc or keeping your copper and zinc in balance but he said he's coming across it looks like it might be genetic that some people just need a lot of zinc in their diet and he and supplement as well so and he supplements mm. with 50 to 100 milligrams so bearing in mind our little captures in our cupboard are 25 milligrams so he's doing like four of those wow. to get someone to the right zinc level wow. 100 milligrams is the highest i've ever seen recommended and that's why he said he's concerned about with children taking out zinc you know wow. from their diet zinc rich foods from their diet is going to be you really would need to be keeping an eye on them, making sure you knew what you were doing and, and keeping an eye on their blood test to make sure that they responded okay to that. And it may be they do, but it may also be that they they don't. So, so something else to consider um, is, because there's probably some of you thinking this, oh, but I know so-and-so who went vegan and lost a load of weight and feels amazing for it. Or, you know, we also, there are quite a few long-distance endurance athletes that are, plant-based etc etc and the, the big thing that we always try to say is and this is where the comparisons are a little unfair if you will because we're like well if someone's gone from eating a pretty crap diet lacking in vegetables and fruit and you know poor intake of micronutrients in general then all of a sudden they start eating loads of vegetables and fruits yeah. their micronutrient intake goes up I'm not surprised they feel better for it. Yeah, yeah. Is that through going vegan or is it just because they've increased their micronutrient intake yeah. by eating more veg? And, a lot um, of manipulating the, the, the data in that sense. Because do you know what, in a way, and even now I'm thinking, should I go vegan for a stretch? Because we often say, it's like you don't often hear about someone who was following a healthy diet yeah. and then went vegan. And had an awareness of things like sleep and exercise. And exactly. And yeah. You know, so it'd be interesting to see how someone like myself who is a meat eater, but also does eat a hell of a lot of veg, a variety of veg, is quite savvy with their meat consumption in terms of variety. You know, yeah. like I don't eat anywhere near as much red meat as I used to. You know, for me, it used to be a regular, whereas now much more, you know, I make sure I get a good 
bit of oily fish in there, yeah. white fish, plant-based complete proteins, like we said earlier, you know, like tofu, you know, I, I eat that yeah, yeah. much more now, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, well, I was going to say, we have, uh, how we've approached this situation is we've kind of done an assessment and said, well, we know the kind of nutritional value of most foods and we really do care about making a difference here in terms of environment sustainability is, as, as we've just said, we've just increased our kind of vegan meals or plant-based meals and we've started to um, increase the the amount of vegetables in a dish to make the meat go further yeah. and we've looked at where we're sourcing everything from and, and um, uh, you know, kind of getting veg boxes. There's a really good website in the UK called Pasture for Life where they really genuinely try to grass feed for life and minimise antibiotics and because another side of it that people are concerned about is that antibiotic administration to to animals in in the supermarkets and and we've kind of spoken to people farmers who say we have no choice and we're doing it as preventative method now as well so we can still earn a living should foot rot set in and you know Mm -hmm. animals are protected so i have to do it by law and then i do extra for to be able to earn a living essentially so but that means you're getting a drip feed of, of antibiotics and again one step that might help with that is going for leaner animal products because as in you know the breast and things like that even though the more nutritious ones are the darker meats and the organs and skin if they're not Mm. animals that you know how they were reared probably aren't going to be the best things to consume but again if you have an autoimmune condition then it's kind of worth going to you know find a farm and say can i just get the organ meats they're cheap they're often thrown away get the skin get the bones buy the whole animal divide it up between you know your family if you can so yeah so i think we generally genuinely have made some big changes with our nutrition, haven't we, in that sense. But then both of us have said, I, I have noticed, I think I went about two weeks without having any red meat and I felt like I started to crave it. And then I said to you, can you go and get some steak, please? And, and yeah. just notice a difference with my energy levels. And I was, at one point, I had my iron checked, but as I do tend towards eating a load more vegetables, and, uh, and I was really... Uh, quite severely anemic and my ferritin levels were really low and the doctor called me and was like ferritin's really low get on some iron supplements um, and ideally you don't want to be on iron supplements because in excess iron around the body is a it's very damaging and, it, and you know they're better supplements now that don't constipate you as much um ones like hemoplex and ferrochel and uh, are ones that i use but generally again you're monitoring that ferritin level to your iron to see what happens and with some clients i've only seen it come up when they added back in fish and eggs so it's kind of it just seems to be that some people are like we just said i've heard one uh, individual said to me that she went to see a functional medicine doctor who said to her you have the genetics of a, a your genetics make you a, a terrible vegetarian i would never say that to somebody but no. it just seemed to be that she had all those gene mutations that meant she couldn't extract nutrition from plant-based foods yeah. as well as somebody who maybe does have the diet ancestry of, of a more vegan diet or plant-based diet and would you say as well, like, in the... I mean, I, I do consume a lot of protein, but yeah. then I'm 100 kilos, you know, give or take a, a kilo, and I train hard, etc., etc. However, I will probably be the first person to say, I think we've gone a bit protein mad. You know, it's protein this, protein that. Oh, you know, in the world, you mean? In the world, like it's... <laughs> and, and, me and you. <laughs> no, no, just, no, as in just, just generally now, it's like... You know, people are putting protein in big letters on their on, on on ready meals, on on Mars bars, on Snickers bars, and you know even cereals now. You're blinking protein Weetabix or whatever it's called. Um, is it protein Weetabix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even so, it's it's not even 
it's it's nothing to write home about but even so it's like it's almost like a it's up there it's ironic really that vegans popular uh, be, uh, veganism is popular but also whacking protein on everything is popular it's like all the irony really protein protein vegan and, and, vegan and, and, as I say, and both have the, the uh, uh, a bit, what, what's happening in this situation is the food industry is watching and developing products that kind of appeal to what we perceive to be our needs and they're not exactly. really our needs so this is where we're getting it's supply and demand my dad said he wandered down the vegan aisle and he went it was blowing awful he yeah. said, vegan biscuits and cheese and that is how he talks as well <laughs> pizzas and he was like it was all awful he said i wouldn't buy any of that food that's not food to me well everywhere right. you walk down and the high the street now the, the the fitness industry and the protein craze and you go into these kind of coffee Pro- shops protein peanut butter protein brownies protein everything protein you know yeah and it's neither is it's all processed food mm. and neither is what the body needs essentially exactly but that's the, that's that's the point i was going to get at is that Yes, protein is important. However, you probably don't need as much as you are consuming yeah. in order to, to be healthy, yeah. to train hard, to pack on some muscle, to get stronger. And I think whilst there's no, you know, there's there's some fantastic studies now that will kind of like, that prove that, you know, whereas before, you know, oh, you know, don't eat too much protein, that's yeah. bad for the kidneys and, yeah. and this, that and the other. and. Whereas there's a lot of like really good studies now, recent studies as well, that will show that actually, if your if your kidney function's healthy, that's make that very clear. If you've all you know, if you've got um, healthy kidneys to start with, there is no negative effects to consuming a higher protein diet. Yeah. And you could even go as far as saying excessively high, meaning you know more than you really actually need to do what you're doing. However, that doesn't mean that you should consume. Yeah tons and tons of protein um so like even something like that just being a bit more savvy about what you genuinely need based on your goals yeah and then actually tracking a little bit to see how much you're you're getting you know don't get me wrong we do come across some people that aren't eating enough protein and they need to up their protein but it's almost like sometimes one extreme to the other people go from yeah. some people aren't eating enough and other people are just eating way too much way much more than they need so yeah. too much is the wrong word because is it too much but is it necessary yeah. is probably the word the best word to use and i think if you can start to bear those things in mind you can become a more i suppose if you will a more responsible meat eater yeah in that you're you're just eating what you need you enjoy it you look for better quality sources where possible you know where no angels you know, we. Well, if you're eating for, on the go, out. Not yeah, also, exactly, and you know, and every now and again, you know, we might buy just like a normal supermarket chicken rather than going to our butchers and, and stuff yeah. like that. Like I say, we're no angels, but we are. We are trying, yeah. you know, and we are making much better choices, and we feel better about that, don't we? Yeah, I did hear someone say. Do you remember? Um, it was actually Ben Greenfield. We had dinner with him in, when we were at Primal Con, and he said, "I eat vegetarian when I'm out." And I thought, actually, I think vegetarian or pescatarian when mm. you're out is probably, I mean, it'd be farm fish likely, but it's probably quite a good shout. Yeah. Because everything you, you buy out is, you can guarantee it's Well, because I said to him, didn't I? I said, farmed, I said like, I said, oh, are you, are you veggie? Yeah. Because I just assumed he wasn't. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, I'm not. And that's how the conversation started, didn't he? But he was like, but when I'm out and I don't know where it's come from, Yeah. I just go veggie. He said, it's not an ideal, but I feel it's the best thing to do in the... Best of a 
bad situation. And also, he kind of said, I minimise eating out for that reason, because hmm. I do have to, I think he had like strawberry yoghurt or something for breakfast, and you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't eat that for breakfast now, I just wouldn't eat that. You'd be starving. <laughs> yeah. the rest. But yeah, so I suppose, you know, is this a for or against veganism it's 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 neither be, because there is no such thing because as i say it's completely down to the individual and it needs to work for you on every level you know it needs to work for you on a health perspective but again we spoke earlier about emotional health and you know it just needs to tie in with what you believe in what's important to you otherwise it's not going to work for you no but also i think any dietary change needs to be done on a on a basis that you need to crowd out the noise of this is what you should do because there's yeah. nothing that we should don't do. don't the, the nothing winds me up more <laughs> than the, the scaremongering yeah. of you know just simple to just just literally as simple as you know eating meat gives you cancer you know eating milk uh, drinking milk gives you cancer yeah, like no these science. big bold statements and you just think come on that shouldn't be allowed no it, yeah. it shouldn't so there, and just to, just to kind of reiterate that point there's no research to back any of that up and like we said this on previous podcasts when you compare healthy omnivore with a healthy plant-based mm, there's nothing exactly. to choose between the two exactly. but i think there needs to just be that degree of reflection across the time that any dietary change you make is it working for me is it working for me how's my mood how's my reproductive hormone health how's my skin doing yeah you know how's my energy and the minute you see decline then you act on that and go okay so something's gone wrong here and yeah you know, do i need to do some blood tests do i need to go and see a nutritionist and do a you may end up supplementing or you may end up adding some foods back in but you know don't just believe because you believe this template worked for somebody else you you force it you know exactly yourself. so and that's really important and i also think as well last thing um because we've gone over the hour tut tut um is that do you not think as well like you mentioned it at the very beginning actually about um you know using less plastics and, and whatnot you know you've got to think of the bigger picture when it comes to the environment it's not just about eating less meat and um a big thing that we've been doing lately or something we're definitely better at is um less food waste yeah like yeah. I, I hate wasting food and we've just got much more savvy of and i said to you the other day didn't i, I said how amazing is it the day before our veg box arrives that we've got a near empty fridge yeah. like we've used everything yeah. we've not thrown anything away nothing's gone to waste and do you know what it was a really really nice feeling to know that we'd done that because gosh again you know you, you think when you hear the numbers again I can't remember them off the top of my head but when they talk about how many tons of food are wasted in yeah. the UK but also you've got to think about this This is my final point is if your goal for doing this is and lots of people come into the college and say I'd like some advice on plant-based diet and I'm doing it for environmental reasons and many people are just cutting back which is, is what like we're doing so there's mm. more, more veggie meals and things like that but they say environment and then they go and buy things like loads more avocados for example yeah uh, where they've come from <laughs> yeah basically yeah. but also apparently they're so highly sprayed or there's lots of I think they've sprayed so not that that gets into the avocado but the workers there's been some cases of the people who have to grow these things are like, mm. you know, being uh, suffering as a result of the chemicals used. Right, yeah. And so there's all that side to take into account, which is why the answer is not to go It's not just, it's extreme, not that simple, yeah, yeah. basically, to try and keep that kind of, uh, again, and, and I always think local rules, if you can. So local yeah. farms, local Good sources, shout. supermarkets like Aldi and Lidl that support local suppliers. Like the local side of it is really important. And also... And if we all start campaigning for less fertilizers and pesticides mm. and pay a bit more for that which i yeah. would it doesn't have to be organic i just want less chemicals in my food yeah 
Um, and just one last thing, on that note, I went to look at, um, buy some olives, you know, with the red peppers in the middle. It's not even red oh, pepper yeah. in the middle anymore. What is it then? It said something like pimiento styled something, something. I don't know. It's about 10 chemical name after it. Really? Yeah. And what, <laughs> I'll just tell the, the listeners this. We went to look at, uh, we're in a sweet shop, weren't we? Oh, yeah. In the garden centre, we were looking at aniseed balls. And aniseed balls, the history of them is that they were used by the Roman army to help with dehydration because they are an antidiuretic, so they keep you retaining water. And they covered the aniseed in sugar, so they could suck it, I think, eventually. Mm. I don't think they covered it in sugar there. And they did, didn't they? They dipped it in sugar so that they preserved it for these big, long Roman... Mm-hmm. Uh, army marches and then we went and looked at the aniseed balls in the garden centre and I was like oh I fancy some and aniseed's good for us because it's used by the Roman army I flip it over and it, they're now called aniseed flavoured balls because there's no aniseed in them so uh. the whole of our food ch- like chain is just wrecked it's just so again go back get, step away from it don't don't buy it and then but again it's not to suggest you should never have aniseed balls but just, uh, Go and get the real deal. Or, Don't get the aniseed flavoured ball. Yeah, it was yeah. about 20 chemicals in there. It wasn't like there was nothing I recognised. So that's when I was like, there's a, there's also a market for a traditional sweet shop. Everything made how it was like, I don't know, 70 years ago. But the last thing I was going to mention was if you are <laughs> buying, like, say, like for example, your vegetables in the supermarket, the look at the price on, for example, like sprouts. I love sprouts. Yeah. It's no secret. Um... And look at the loose sprouts. Look at the price per kilo. It's loose. It's less. Isn't it? Much less than what it the, the sprouts are yeah. that are in a packet. So a you know it's better for the environment, less plastic, and b you're saving yourself a few pennies, which yeah. which, which always helps. I'm honestly seeing lots of people put photos up of, of all the plastics in the supermarket. Yeah. And I'm not buying here anymore. It is changing. So. But I just think you know, like you know, look at the bigger picture, guys. You know, if if you want to follow a plant based diet go for it if you know if it's important to you and it makes you feel better but do your research yeah. make sure it works for you but look at the bigger picture like Kerry said you know getting enough sleep being happy in the job that you're in etc etc um but also shopping local not using so much plastics less food waste invest in the people that are trying to do their bit yeah doing their like bit. we need to we need to look at this bigger picture instead of just like you know all meat eaters are evil and, <laughs> and all vegans will live forever you know there's so much more to it than that um but yeah i hope that's i enjoyed that chat actually yeah did um, you yeah lots of you can't say no can no, you no. <laughs> no it was awful it's bored out my brain it's bored with uh, well, any questions, please uh, get in touch as always, and we will see you over in episode 119. Yeah. See ya. Bye.